success for me, there wasn't a clear path that I said, I want to do this when I'm older. It was go to school, get a job, understand business from a corporate side until I got my footing to say, okay, here's where I think I can be successful. On this episode of A Call to Leadership, I am so thrilled to have you join me on this three-part series on entrepreneurship, how entrepreneurship works, what it means, the driving forces that push people to become entrepreneurs, and the pitfalls and failures, how to overcome the inevitable obstacles we face. I've invited Sam and Travis to be my co-hosts on this very important series, and I can't wait for you to be a part of it. I'm Dr. Nate Sala, and this is A Call to Leadership. Life as an entrepreneur is not a life that is compartmentalized. I mean, we might try to do that, but it's not. Everything is connected. And the way we live our lives in business and in our families and how we take care of ourselves personally, they all make a difference. They all are connected. I tend to think to start in the past when you were a child and how you viewed business is a great kickoff for us. And I'll just kick it off. When I grew up starting off as the son of immigrants, most of the people in my family, especially the men, were working from six in the morning to nine at night. And whether it was a grocery store or some kind of a small business. And I thought to myself, man, that's not the life I want. I want a different life. I didn't want to be the kind of person who never got to see my family. Of course, I was just a kid, but I knew that there was something missing from that. And it kicked off my mindset. Now, fast forward, when I became a business owner, I realized, well, shoot, <laughs> I'm doing Wrong this. Choice. <laughs> <laughs> Wrong choice. Right? Right. So the reality is, can you even be a part-time successful business owner from the start? I mean... If you get on Instagram or Facebook or any other social media site, <laughs> it says you can. Right. Because um, if you're an influencer. If you're right? an influencer or you just sell some real estate or whatever it is, you know, that they're selling today. I don't think you can. Right. I think entrepreneurship is a lifestyle. I think it takes everything you have. You've got 24 hours in a day, seven days a week. You know, people get into entrepreneurship and they're like, I'm going to start a business. I'm going to travel. I'm going to make all this money. And yeah. God bless you if you can, right? I mean, that's the goal. That's what keeps us driving. For me, entrepreneurship is summed up. It was a meme that my wife sent me, uh, I don't know, probably 10 years ago, but it made a lot of sense. It encapsulated kind of what I feel entrepreneurship is. And it said, entrepreneurship is working for years in a way other people won't to live a life that other people can't. And it hit home that there are years that you're going to be building a successful long-term business that you may barely make it, right? And I remember when I started my business, my wife and I, like everybody has their monthly number that they have to make to cover their household, right? Like when you break it all down, you've got your budget. Right. Here's my bare minimum number. And I remember like every month we would sit there and look at our revenue coming in and being like, okay, we made it like we made it another month. And then it would get to a point to where I'd say, okay, I've bought two months. Now I bought three months, but it was still 
every single dollar that comes in, every single dollar that comes out, you're not getting a paycheck every two weeks like somebody is where you know you've got consistent money coming in. You have months that are terrible, years that are terrible, months that are great, years that are great. But I have never made it to a point, no matter how much money I've had in my bank, where I felt comfortable. And I think that that's what keeps me sharp, right? I think that's what keeps my mind sharp. It keeps my hunger there because I came from a family that was low income when we were younger. And so that fear is always inside of me, Mm -hmm. even to this day, 42 years old. And I'll wake up sometimes and I'll be like, oh my God, (laughs) am I going to be okay? You know, like, how am I going to pay for my kids going to college? You know what I mean? That fear is real, but I think that that fear is what keeps you going. Comfort and instability. Comfort is the enemy of progress. Comfort is the enemy of progress. Yeah. Yeah. So that's good. I think going back to your original question, you know, what attracted me to being an entrepreneur was freedom, right? Because I always looked at myself as a person that would have difficulty with authority, which is what Travis is laughing. He knows. So I recognize that. You stole your parents' car. Yeah. 16. Yeah. Drove to my house. So I was like, oh my, I better be a great (laughs) entrepreneur because if I'm not, I'm going to be in trouble. (laughs) So, you know, freedom, right? And not so much money really, but I think that's what people's initial thought is about owning a business, being an entrepreneur, right? I'm going to do this and it's going to be wonderful. I'm going to make all this money. I'm going to have all this time and it's just not the case. You know, it's actually the exact opposite of what you think it is. That's what I tell people. Yeah. So whatever you've been conditioned to believe, it's exactly the opposite. And I feel comfortable saying that because I know that that is what being an entrepreneur has been marketed to people. Mm-hmm. Look online, look on Instagram, the cars, it's the lifestyle, it's the jets, it's all that. But what about the failures and the struggles and the people, I always say people see the finished product, but they don't see the rough draft. Right. Right. So the rough draft, the mistakes, the leading portions of, of the story, you know, you see the final piece that's attractive and I want that and I want to go get it. But rewind, <laughs> some people, verge of bankruptcy, leveraging personal assets, sleepless nights, difficulty at home with maybe a wife or girlfriend or family. It's not pretty, mm. period. It's a fight. Yeah. It's a fight. And I think that's part of the attraction though. I was reading an article about how entrepreneurship today can be defined as a bit like the discoverers, the explorers, the adventurers, the pioneers 100, 200, 300 years ago. And we are mining for gold, if you will, right? And you're not always going to find it. You're just not always. And it's interesting you bring that up because I was probably about three months ago, I was driving and I was at a stoplight, a couple of young guys, late teens, early 20s, right next to me. And I had my window down and the kid rolls his window down and he says, excuse me, sir, what do you do? Of course, I had my sports car, right? And it was summertime. And I looked at him, I said, I'm an entrepreneur. And he just nodded his head like, yeah, I want to be an entrepreneur. But what he didn't see was 30 years later, right? (laughs) Right. Like, let's talk about that 30 year journey, young man, and see if that's what you want to sign up for. Mm Mm-hmm. They see the results, not the struggle for sure. And I think being an entrepreneur is the new like 
you get a job, work for a company for 30 years, you retire, like it's the new cool thing. It's really a segue. It's It's American dream. American dream. Right, right. And American dream has changed. Like, you know, that idea of going to school, getting a degree, getting a job, retiring, like Mm -hmm. same job your whole life. I mean, how many generations do you have to go back? But not many to see that happening, but not anymore. So in my family, I'm the first, I think we've talked about this, but I'm the first generation to not work in a steel mill. My grandfather started working in a steel mill at 16 years old and worked for 47 years and retired in great pension. You know what I mean? Like the whole nine yards. But since I was a young kid, I was told by everybody in my family, like, you're the one who is going to go to college and you're going to have a different life. And I don't necessarily think that they thought that owning my own business was a life that I would have. Right. But yeah, like walk out of high school on a Friday Monday, you start your job at the steel mill and you work there until you retire and you get your gold watch and and you move on. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like that's the life that they had. How hard was it to break out of that expectation? It was challenging. You know, that the thing that had happened with me and my kind of personal journey is my father worked at the steel mill for a while. And then he decided this was in the eighties when the steel mill was not the place to work at. There's massive layoffs. Everybody, Japanese steel is coming in and blah, 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 blah. And so he started his own company. And so I watched him start his company when I was probably six years old. And he had that company until we sold it when I was 22 or 23 years old. And I didn't want to take it over, but I watched his struggle. I mean, we went from legitimately a four of us in a two bedroom apartment food stamps. And over the years he was successful and had some money. We moved into middle class and then they were able to move up to probably upper middle class and he was successful. I mean, it was a successful business for the family, right? But it was interesting watching him starting in a basement to then a garage to then a very small building and then a larger building. And my dad was a hustler. And so I picked that up from him. He was a very people-centric person. He could sell himself very well. And so growing up in that and seeing the dichotomy of my grandfather, who was at the same job for his entire life, to my dad, who kind of bounced around with different jobs and then found his footing and started his company. And then watching that and understanding that success for me, there wasn't a clear path that I said, I want to do this when I'm older, right? I knew that I wanted to do something special, but I didn't know what it was. And so it was go to school, get a job kind of understand business from a corporate side until I kind of got my footing to say, okay, here's where I think I can be successful. And I think that that's really important to not just walk into life or to a job. I mean, what I'm doing right now, where I make my revenue from, isn't even really that much related to what I started in my own business to start with, right? It was just, what makes sense? What can I do? What can I be successful? What do I feel like I can be successful at? But I think that people want to have their life really kind of laid out, right? They want to have this like master plan. And I think that that's fine, right? I think it's fine to have a plan, but I think if you're going to be in entrepreneurship and you're going to start your own business, you have to know that that plan is going to change maybe daily, maybe weekly, maybe monthly. And you've got to be flexible. You've got to see opportunity, seize opportunity. But I don't think that you can just go into it and say, I'm going to do X, even if it's your own company, and I'm going to make I'm going to do this for the next 20 years because things change. They do. And you make a really good point that the hustle mindset 
is, I think, an essential aspect of entrepreneurship. And I love how you bring to the forefront of the example that was set before you. I know, Sam, you've got some things to say about that as well. But before you do, I found in my research, and not only from my own experience, but research from an academic perspective, but also from working with so many entrepreneurs over the years, I can usually tell within about five minutes of getting a meeting a new entrepreneur, a lot of them come and they want to start a business. And of course they come and say, help me to get my LLC form and all this other stuff. And there's a little bit of a fire, that hustle fire that, you know, if you don't have it, bro, sis, it's not going to work. You have to have it in your eye, that adaptability, because you know, and for me, same thing. My mom was a hustler, single mom. We didn't have anything, but I just watched her manufacture nickels and dimes from running a hustle, whether it was coming out of a dumpster at Goodwill and reselling that stuff at the flea market or owning her little pet shop that she was just grinding at. I mean, I was watching that example. I'm like, okay, I'm learning about this. And the thing, here's the thing about the hustle. And I want you to talk about your upbringing too, Sam, but here's the thing about the hustle. It can never end. You can't stop hustling ever, no matter how big your business gets, no matter how successful, no matter how many zeros are in that bank account, like you said, right? Soon as you stop the hustle, you stop the fire and you begin to fade away and become irrelevant. Sam, what about you? What was your example for becoming a hustler? Uh, My mom, probably the heaviest influence. I mean, you know, she woke up every day and she was a hairdresser, woke up every day, went to the salon, stood up for eight to 10 hours a day. She had her own salon. Yes. And she was very successful at it. And that was attractive to me, obviously. So would you go in there as a kid? Yeah, all the time. I mean, there wasn't a perception of working too much or working too little, or it was just like whatever needed to be done. And we had a lot of things we were had a lot of advantages growing up and i don't have as humble beginnings as you guys have had right so i think we always talk about comfort and you're giving our kids too much comfort and maybe they don't they can't manufacture that hustle or that passion right i don't think that's true because i'm an example of that right i mean definitely my parents were you know did well for themselves and i'm not going to paint a picture of that I needed for all things and things like that. Like, I don't Bro, have that story. That I, I don't like Aaron at your 16th birthday. Yeah. That's yeah, certainly, yeah, yeah, yeah. That says it all. Yeah. <laughs> like, so, <what>? so, <laughs> so my situation is a bit different because I had a passion for being my own boss. Right. So whatever that took me to get there, obviously your influence as well. I seen you had your own business at a young age. I thought that was during my whole process when I got to the teenage age, you know, and I seen, big cousin with the nice car and the business and the trust me that was super motivating to me and i think i knew at a young age that this is what i wanted to do whether what it was could have been it could have changed and travis talked about what you start out doing and what you end up doing i think we're talking about evolving it's a process right is that i've been in the tech industry the good majority of my life but i'm constantly evolving right so which is an aspect of the hustle. Right. And I think the hustle is we feel uncomfortable when we don't feel the pressure, right? So I think we get to a point where the pressure is different than it was when we were trying to build our businesses and our organizations. And then we get to a point where we find different ways 
to motivate ourselves and challenge ourselves, be uncomfortable, right? That's my thing, like is continuing to challenge myself to be uncomfortable. When I'm tired and, you know, it's a 9.30 hockey pickup game, I'm tired, I don't want to get up, but I know that that's going to make me uncomfortable and I'm going to grow from that, right? And I do it. So this is good because that's where there's this overlap, right? Being triathlete. And of course, you guys are all both athletic and come from sports as well. It's like that's a part of sharpening my mind. None of us will go into the gym and say, you know, I'm going to put less weight on today because I need things to be easier. Uh-uh. Right? It's like, okay, what's my next milestone to hit? Right? In try, we call it PR, personal record. So when you're about a mile out from that finish line, you step on that gas, right? How can I just inch forward, inch forward, inch forward? And I don't think that it's exclusive. I mean, I think it's holistic, right? It's who you are as an individual. Yeah, but I think I think comfort's strong. It's a strong feeling. We all like to be comfortable. I mean, I, I do. You know what I mean? But I think that when you realize, I think it's the difference with people who constantly push themselves to be better is that they realize at that point when it's happening and they're like, nope. I'm going to push myself a little bit harder and create, I know for myself, I've created new personal goals for myself that are different than they were 10 years ago, but they're very, they're goals that I'm passionate about and I want to achieve, right? But they're different. And I think that constantly evolving, having the hustle, which I feel like you talked about, we all know is a necessity, but that's rooted in being passionate about something because I feel like you can hustle and be gr- a great salesperson and not really care for what you're selling. Mm-hmm. You could be like, I, you know, I'm selling insurance or I'm selling whatever that may be. You're not like passionate about that product. You're passionate about making money. You're passionate about making sales. But imagine if you were passionate about that product or that service or that business or solving that problem or solving that problem. Right. I think that's what separates the guys that go through the hard times and get through them at all costs and then eventually achieve success because that passion or depth of passion is what it takes to have it all on the line, have sacrifice all the time, all the money, all the personal activities you may have missed because you're passionate about developing, building something great that goes beyond I think just hustle. That's why I think hustle is very important. But I think there's a piece to that that separates everyone who's hustling to someone who's passionate about the hustle. I think that's the difference. Yeah, hustle is only one part of the equation. Right. Indeed. Yeah, I think a way that I look at it is what's the fire in your belly? Like, what is it that you're getting up for every day? For me, it's my family, right? I mean, I struggle to, you know, become a better person, whether it's physically, whether it's in business, whether it's emotionally, whether it's spiritually, right? Whatever it is, it's because I want to be a better husband, a better parent, a better friend. I want to be a better person. So that's, you know, you ask people like, what's your why? Like, what is it that motivates you? Right. And mine is, I don't want to let my, I don't want to let my kids down. I feel like my parents, both of them, struggled, gave up, sacrificed to make sure that me and my little brother had a better life than they had. 
Like we had better education, we had better opportunities, all that stuff. And so I feel like it's my responsibility now to move my family forward, right, through my children and give them opportunities that I never had. And that's why I do what I do. Mm. That's awesome. And that's natural, right? Because you want to give your kids more than what you had. That's a natural I would hope thing. so. You know, I mean, like, I mean, I would hope so, I would right? think so, right? Yeah. But I think that there's a difference you can give with giving the value of appreciation and humbleness at the same time. You know what I mean? And trust me, I think we all have the same. We want our kids to be able to go into the world and know the world's not going to be nice and you're not going to get everything you wish you had and you're going to have letdowns and that's okay. You know, I feel like the world in general, or I think some of the people that I come across that are in the entrepreneurial space, they don't deal with disappointment very well. They don't deal with failure very well. And I mean, God, we've been partners before. We've been involved in different things together. I mean, how many times we look across the room and been like, this is not good. Right. We need to make a move. We need to adapt, evolve. We do, and we move forward, and we win. Yep. Right? So I think it's okay to be disappointed. It's okay to fail. It's how you react after the yeah. fact that makes the difference. Yeah. I mean, it's my mindset is that didn't work. Right. right. So you figure something else out. Don't spend so much time like on why it didn't work. But what I have to do to move forward? I mean, gosh, even when we were working, it feels like forever ago, but I guess it's 10, 12 years ago on the Clearwire stuff. Right. I mean, this was supposed to be the future. Mm-hmm. It Wireless was Internet, just not with Clearwire. In fact, I got a box right there <laughs> right. to remind me. Right. <laughs> but the very first wireless internet no cords right Mm -hmm. just take it with you anywhere and we were all bought in Mm -hmm. to this new tech right all the numbers worked right three percent churn you've got a million dollars going into every market for advertising you've got four months spiff on having your rent paid as you move into new markets you've got these high commissions and then one after another fizzles out Mm -hmm. I even went home to my wife when all this was going down and we were just getting started and everything was looking just stellar. Thirty, forty thousand dollars net profit per market monthly, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Twenty ten, just fast forward, this is gonna be great. I'm like, honey, this is gonna be awesome. Look at my spreadsheets. <laughs> <laughs> spreadsheets. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> because all the data supported yeah. what we thought could happen with mm-hmm. this. And of course, then we realize in-home coverage is spotty. People will not necessarily want to figure out the best place in their home for this product. So what do they do? They return it, mm-hmm. right? And the first time we got a negative $15,000 commission check, <laughs> I told Sam, Houston, <laughs> we have a problem. <laughs> right. Then we came to you, right? And you're mm-hmm. like, man, I know this is an issue. We're working through it. And ultimately, fast forward, we worked through it, mm-hmm. but there were some casualties. I mean, I had to go home and tell my wife, this may be the first time we filed bankruptcy in our, as a family. It was possible all the way through. We may be able to avert it, but we got to make some moves. We had to sell our house, move into a villa. We had a lot we bought we were going to build on. So I'm like, you know, we're just going to have to fast track this, get some cash out from the house we're selling, pay off all our bills downsize a little bit, stay in a little two-bedroom villa. I mean, I had already been in business for 15 years. It wasn't 
It's a huge you know, just a startup right. guy, right? right? This is what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. There's never a point in business where it's smooth sailing. You know when it's smooth sailing? When you actually get on a boat and you're no longer working. Correct. <laughs> and maybe then it's still not smooth, right? You can hit waves. But the, the point is, those are very difficult times. Those are very difficult, crucial conversations. And you talk about your family. You go through these challenges together, right? I mean, she wept when we left that house. She's like, man, I'm like, it's going to be better. This is the life of the entrepreneur. Correct. Wow. This is indeed the life of the entrepreneur. Well, before you go, I want to make sure you know a couple of things, when and what to expect in this three-part business series. So we drop these business episodes each Monday, and the next one is part two, and I'm so looking forward to sharing with my two co-hosts why failure is essential, how we motivate ourselves, especially through struggles, the importance of supportive partner in our entrepreneurial journey and setting the right expectations for communication in our personal relationships. So that's going to be awesome. But you don't have to wait a week because each Wednesday I host a high value leadership interview. And this week is no exception. Kujo Teshner, retired F-22 Air Force Squadron Commander, will be joining me. The Real Top Gun. We're going to talk about leading through crisis, talk through the situation in Ukraine and use that as an example building trustworthy teams. Can't wait for you to listen in. I'm Dr. Nate Sala, and this is a call to leadership.